to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Trisha Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I'm great, Crystal. You know, the sun is out and it's cold. <laughs> and I'm happy because I love the sun, but I'm really ready for, dare I say it? Winter. Winter. Yeah, I think it's almost here. I know. It's actually freezing this morning. I got an alert on my phone. I don't know why, but I got an alert on my phone that said it's freezing outside. I'm going to have to run out today and get burlap. I hear that that's the (laughs) only thing you could put on plants to keep them from completely freezing. And so I'm going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> there you go, burlap. That sounds like fun. That sounds like quite the shopping trip, <laughs> doesn't it? Trying to find burlap, right? Burlap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I know that you just are coming back from a wonderful oh. vacation uh, where you got lots of sun and went to the zoo and did all kinds of fun stuff. I did. I went to San Diego, and I'm from San Diego. Well, I'm from all over, but I lived most of my, you know, teen years and young adult years in San Diego, and my family settled there. And so, of course, I went down to see my sister and her family, had a wonderful time. It was her birthday, so we did a lot of celebrating. But we got to see places that I grew up loving, and and we went back to see them, and they're still there. And I just got the warm fuzzies about being home. It was great. And I haven't been home like that in quite a while. So it was awesome. I had a great time, came back feeling completely rested. Oh, that's awesome. And you had a great trip too. I, I know you were out of state and yeah. and living large with your with your husband and your favorite son. Yeah, my favorite son. That's right. Yes, we were in Colorado and actually soaking up some sun there as well, although I was speaking with Chance, who's our our tech person that we always give uh, appreciation to. He was sharing that it's going to snow today for them. So we went from 83 degrees to now it's snowing in just a few days. So we got lucky on on the weather for us there. Mm. Yeah, super fun. Love the Rockies. It's just beautiful in that area. Yes, it is. And yeah. I've lived in Colorado before, and I know that that's Colorado. You know, it yeah. can be really warm one day and totally snowing the next. And and the next day it's warm again and the next day you have a blizzard. So yeah. it's like you just kind of <laughs> never know. Go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that it had the beautiful fall colors with mm. the leaves. The And I can't remember. I think he said it was an aspen tree. But um, it was just the leaves were just brilliant yellow. And the, those trees are everywhere. So it was just stunning. I I have to tell you a quick little story about aspen trees. <laughs> Did you know that aspens are that there is a stand of aspens in uh I believe it is Utah and it spreads all the way down almost to the top of Arizona or somewhere or New Mexico, but it is the largest stand of aspen tree. It's like one entity because all of the roots intertwine. And oh, yeah. so the root system is a continuous root system from through states. Yeah. And even though you can be in one state and the leaves are shaped a little bit one way because of the weather mm-hmm. or the environment, 
and like 10 miles away, they're shaped completely different. It's the same stand of trees. Mm. It's the only one in the world. It's the only place in the world where that's happened. And it's it's amazingly famous. And I oh. didn't realize that, but there's a whole story on this whole on this thing. So if anybody wants to know, you know, <laughs> and I know, Aspen trees. <laughs> well, there's, it, there's a poem or a story oh. about it and it's called Pando. Oh. And um, we tried to use that when we were at Hudson because mm. our, our name was, my little group's name was Aspen. Oh. But um, we were told we couldn't do that because the name is also a porn star. <laughs> so that totally blew my mind. But I think we're but, editing that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, my goodness. Trisha, you've okay. always got a story. I'm telling you, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Well, one story that I don't get to t- tell today and disappointing in that I had owed our listeners um, a recap of the Pink concert. <gasps> yes, yeah, I know. I know. You were so crushed. <laughs> I was crushed. Oh. So she hopefully still is rescheduling. But So any listeners out there that were waiting for me to tell the Pink story. Um, it, just raise your glass and wait. <laughs> you'll just have to wait. You'll just have to wait. We're hoping that they'll, that it, she'll come back. Uh. Yep. <laughs> So today we're talking about high-performing teams, which you and I are. Yes, we yes, are. So we can speak from authority on Darn that. Darn straight. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, regarding psychological safety yes. and how to create it. And I love this article. It's from HBR. We love HBR. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd just take a bit of a walkthrough on this article and highlight a few of the things that we found particularly helpful, and we hope that you do too. Yeah, it's a great article. In fact, um, it was such a great article that I was I highlight things before, and I know you do too, before yeah. we do our, our <laughs> episodes, and I found myself highlighting entire paragraphs <laughs> yeah. because it was just such good information. So, yeah. um, so we'll just have to share some of that with everybody. Yeah, and the article is uh, by Laura Delazona, and we'll, of course, have a link mm-hmm. on our show notes for people to be able to actually find this article. They make the the point about the importance of trust. And so when we think about high-performing teams and we think about psychological safety, trust is really at the center of that. Yeah, and I'd say in any team, high-performing or yeah. not high-performing. I, I would love to believe that every team is high-performing. And so, but the trust is the key to everything anyway, you yeah. know, and that's that's something that we'll probably have another Coach's Corner on just that at some point. Yeah. But for psychological safety, it's critical. Yeah, and they define that as the belief that you won't be punished when you make a mistake. That's what we all want, right? We all want the ability to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. And if we're truly learning and growing, we're going to make mistakes. And the point is not to punish somebody for those mistakes, but to really understand what contributed to that and help sort of unpack it so you can figure out how to design the system or get the resources or just add some capability so that we're not repeating mistakes. It is all, yeah, I agree. It's all about, you know, looking at process over people usually, but if it is the person and the mistake has been made, it's, it it is addressing it so that learning takes place because once you've made a mistake, people don't come to the office or come to, to work to do a bad job. They never do but yeah. we're humans, yeah. right? We're not AI, we're humans, and we make mistakes. And so um, with that said, you know, when a mistake is made, sometimes it's not a big deal, but often it is. And so if you can catch it 
when it happens and not hold it in and give somebody feedback a week down the line when they can't even remember what they did anyway. Yeah. It's so important that that gap can completely erode trust because a person would have probably take it drink drunk in the drink drink whatever um accepted that information and um and learn from it if it was in the moment when they could identify it right yeah and they talk about how psychological safety is both fragile and vital to success in uncertain interdependent environments and i love that they actually called that out that in uncertain interdependent environments Mm -hmm. so that's the way of the world these days, there's so much uncertainty and there's so much interdependence. Well, we rely on other people for information. We rely on them for resources. We rely on them for, for everything. So that's why psychological safety is so important. And they spend a little bit of time unpacking kind of the brain um, makeup around this. And I think that's really interesting. And I love the quote where they talk about how our brains, when we don't have psychological safety, uh, we can, you know, we've heard the sort of proverbial story about the lion coming at us and what happens to us, right? Yes. We interpret these things as life th- threatening threats. Mm-hmm. And so we need to have that psychological safety so that we have full access to our brains and we're not getting that amygdala hijack and going into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is one Mm -hmm. that we're talking more about now as well, which is really about over-pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to to give a little context there, our brains, the whole purpose of our brain is to help us survive. When we're in a situation where we've made a mistake, survival is everything yep. because nobody likes to lose right yeah. we all like to we all like to win we all like to be on the plus side of things so um so that is an important thing to unpack and i think it's important for people who haven't had a lot of of knowledge or experience um kind of unpacking the brain a bit we're not asking you to go out and take a course on you know brain science or neuroscience but certainly understand that there are parts of our brains that actually are there to save our lives and that is what our brain tells us is happening when we make a mistake yeah right yeah the sentence that i wanted to sort of pull out there was they say quite literally Mm. just when we need it most we lose our minds yes (laughs) <laughs> I can do. feel that way, right? Especially I was thinking with freeze, mm-hmm. you know, it's when we are under that stress yes. and we literally cannot think of words to say and we can literally just sort of shut down. And when we see somebody in that kind of state, instead of judging it, which oftentimes we do, it's like, what is going on with that person is get curious what is going on? What right. can we actually do to help this person re-engage their brain? They're probably in a free state. And that's so true. I You can physically see that. Yes. When a person has made a mistake and they realize it, you, you almost see test patterns happen in the eyes. I mean, it's yeah. like the eyes get a little bit bigger, like what just happened? Yeah. You can see a look of almost fear coming on a person's um, face for just, even if it's just for a moment, yeah. just that first acknowledgement that I made a mistake. I something went wrong, you know. And to and to recognize that and not overreact to it 
is yeah. really important because bring that person back to now. If you can bring them back to the present, often that is what they need to just be able to say, okay, I'm not going to internally combust. I'm not going to melt. I need to just say, okay, what just happened? You know, yeah. that, that's important. Yeah. Is there anything for you that comes to mind that will take you there consistently? I was thinking for myself, it's technology. Yeah. So right. I'm all I'm fine mm-hmm. until one little glitch happens. <laughs> I can tell you this from experience, folks, that she really does that. Yeah. Like <laughs> I can feel the stress in my chest, right? And that I start to sweat and I can shut down. I can literally it's like I can't think anymore to actually solve the problem. And I know if I can just, you know, take a f- couple deep breaths mm-hmm. and slow down, take a pause for a minute to re-engage my brain, I can think about what the solutions are and actually overcome it. But it's that, for me, that fight or flight, freeze or fawn that gets in my way, being able to solve the technical issues. I am that person that if somebody's in that mode, I will be the one that tries to get them out of it because I grew up that way. My my family did that. My my dad didn't believe in panic. He believed that you address something and and you try and figure out how to get somebody out of panic mode so that they can engage their brain again, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I grew up doing that. But what gets me is when I say something that is totally, you know, I know what I'm trying to say and it comes out and people take it differently. Yeah. That's when I I stop and it's like what did I say that was wrong? You know, what What didn't they understand? And then I start going into fun because I'm trying to go, okay, so what I really wanted to say and what I'm really, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I, I, I go into this whole thing where I'm trying to, you know, make it all right again. And by then, you know, it's already out there. They're already, they've already made their opinion and trying to get them to see it the other way. It's like, oh, okay, okay, all right, okay, okay, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the other end of that spectrum, what we found that, that works to help in re-engage, as you were just talking about, to mm-hmm. re-engage our brains, which will allow us to broaden and build our, our capacities is positive emotion. Yes. And Barbara Fredrickson at the University of North Carolina has found that positive emotions like trust, curiosity, confidence, and inspiration broaden the mind and help us build psychological, social, and physical resources. Yeah, and they go on to say that we become more open-minded, resilient, motivated, and persistent when we feel safe. And humor increases, as does solution finding and divergent thinking. And it's really what what stuck for me was mm-hmm. the word curiosity, mm-hmm. because that often is what can take a person out of reacting yeah. and into, okay, let's process what is going on here. Instead of, it's not the curiosity, like, why did you do that? because that's going to put them right up against a wall. Okay, so let's unpack and see how that happened. What were the steps that you went through or what was? And the what's and how's can often be exactly what you need. Being curious like that can also be an eye-opener for the person asking the questions because they may have actually misinterpreted something. Yeah, That person may not be as wrong as the person who's asking the questions thinks. Yeah. It's not until they get the answers though that they're able to back up and see that. So yeah. yeah. And I love the the fact that they brought humor into it as well. I and know. we know people who are super talented with that, 
that they know the right exact moment to to say something a little bit funny or to make a little bit light of the situation, not yes. to make fun of it, but just to kind of help everybody sort of laugh a little bit and that can break that tension, which mm-hmm. allows everybody to sort of calm down a little bit. And often it's the person who's made the mistake who can do that. Yes, right. It kind of diffuses everything, right? It's yeah. like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. They also, again, bringing in this brain element, they talk about that the oxytocin levels in our brains rise, eliciting trust and trust-making behavior when we feel safe. Yes. There's so much to this, you know, in terms of the simple steps we take, the simple way we approach things. And they came up with, what, four or five different... Six, actually. Oh, well, (laughs) okay. They came up with six steps that you can do to create that psychological safety. Right? Yeah. They started out with approach conflict as a collaborator and not an adversary. Yeah, that's such an important one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and they were talking about how humans hate losing even more than we love winning. Right. And so that that's a real trigger for us. And so we need to come at it more from a collaborative perspective. And that is so critical because in the world of win-win, yeah, um, if one person wins and the other person doesn't, it's win-lose. But at, ultimately, it's not win-lose, it's lose-lose. Yeah. Because the trust that you lose when you win sometimes can be enough for both parties to not um, be able to have their, their oxytocin rise to a level that they can get past it or whatever. So it's really the collaboration piece is so important. Like let's, let's unpack this together and see how we can get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Right. And that's way more positive and certainly does a lot to make sure that you've secured your trust in each other. Yeah. Yeah. And number two is speak human to human. Mm -hmm. Just really recognizing that we all have, personal beliefs and perspectives, hopes and anxieties. We have family and friends who love us and we want to feel respected um, and we all want to find peace, joy, and happiness. So when we think about creating that safe space, recognizing that we're all coming to work, we're all coming into a community space with the intent of this being a positive experience. No one is coming to work or in this community space, thinking that they're most people anyway, that they want to show up in a poor way or mm-hmm. tear tear things apart. Well, and this is, you know, I think this is interesting because when we come to the office, and, and especially if you're a part of a team, often teams will have individuals that want to be unique, right? We all want to be yeah. unique. We all come, we are unique. We all come, we're very, very different. But in this case, we need to look for the common ground. We need yeah. to look for the fact that we all do this. We all want something. We all want to, we all have hopes and dreams. We all have this need to feel confident in what we do, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's where you, you look for the common ground, not for the uniqueness, because the uniqueness, when a mistake is made, isn't, isn't uniqueness. It is how you're different, mm-hmm. how you are, how you stand out, and that's not positive. So to elicit trust, you really want to make sure that you're looking for how, how you're, those areas where you're very much alike. Um, the next one was anticipate reactions and plan uh, counter moves. And I think this is important. And this kind of, for some reason, when I was reading this, it 
brought me back to Nicole Bianchi when she was talking about her five tough talks and how you really plan those few tough talks in the beginning, just sort of planning how you're going to set up an expectation so that um, so you may not have to have so many tough talks, right? Yeah. Well, and this is sort of along those lines is you anticipate how people are going to react to what you say, right? And so if you do your homework and you, and you figure out, okay, if I say this or if I'm talking about this and I get some pushback, what kind of pushback might I get? Yeah. You know, asking yourself the questions, what are my main points? What am I going to talk about, right? Um, what are three or three ways my listeners are most likely to respond? And, you know, unpack it in your head. And yeah. you might even bounce that against one other person on your team, right? What, what comes to mind when I say that, you know? Yeah. And then um, how will I respond to each of those scenarios? So that there's a little bit of rehearsing in a way. And sometimes when it's a big discussion or it's a change that's happening or a new initiative or something, that's important. High-performing teams want to be able to voice their opinions, but they need to know that they're safe in doing that, that by by opening up and saying something that may be a little controversial is probably way okay, right? Yeah. Number four is replace blame with curiosity. And they cite John Gottman's research here at the University of Washington who shows that blame and criticism reliably escalate conflict, leading to defensiveness and eventually to disengagement. And we know that the alternative to blame is curiosity. Yes. Yeah. So to really dig in there and try and understand what was going on and what was your thinking pattern and maybe what were the facts that you were going on. And here's the story that I'm making up. Um, about that and just really sharing and getting curious. And as Trisha, you were saying earlier, it's not about why'd you do that? Right. It's getting curious about what was actually deeper there that was going on. Yeah. And you know, I, I love the curious part of it because if you really are trying to keep trust high, being curious and unpacking something that way is going to, to keep your people trusting. It is. Yeah. It, if, if you consistently do that, if you're a leader who consistently approaches issues or approaches anything with curiosity, you're, you're going to have people who are going to also be doing some critical thinking before they even get to that conversation. So you're probably going to have really great output. That's why they're high-performing teams, because they have that, right? Yeah. One of the things that they were sharing here was thinking about making sure that you're sharing your observations. Mm -hmm rather than stating them as facts. And I think that's really helpful. So rather than saying you've got poor performance, sometimes we have to say that. But to just to observe and say, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed, you know, the last few days that you've been showing up in a way that isn't consistent with how you normally show up. Right. Is everything okay? What's going on? Is there some support that you need from me? What a shift in interaction if you approach it that way. Yeah, and the person who's being asked those questions will say, I have someone in front of me who cares about me. Yeah. And that is another big trust boost, right? Yeah. And it also is, it's that whole compassion thing, right? Mm -hmm. You have an empathic leader who you want to follow because that kind of, that's the, the kind of leader that a lot of people want to follow. They want somebody who cares. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the other thing is they were talking about making sure that we involve people 
in the solution. So the people who are responsible for creating the problem oftentimes can identify for themselves the solution that's needed. Right. We used to do a practice at the end of a leadership development class. We had a leadership development program. And at the end of each class, we would sit down and talk about the things that went well and the things that could be better. Mm -hmm. And we always allowed the person who actually was responsible for, because it was we were team teaching, but there was one person who was responsible for the day and sort of led the day, um, even though we all contributed. And so that person who was responsible for the day got the chance to actually say, here's the things I really loved about what I did, and here's the areas where I really want to focus mm -hmm. on making it better next time. And usually they were actually harder on themselves, but they also had a really good cognitive process mm -hmm. to really improve for themselves. Nobody else even had to mention those things. And usually people were like pointing out more about here's the positive things that we really right. thought were great. But giving that person who made the mistake or needed the improvement, that first opportunity gives them kind of their dignity and their respect to identify it for themselves and their ownership because yeah. we own our behavior. So, you know, the fact that they bring up something that they may or may not like about what they did, that's okay because next time they'll keep that in mind. And I am a big believer that once you get it out in the air, once you get it out in the atmosphere and you've said it out loud, it's not going to go away. You know, yeah. it's out there. It's on your mind now. The next time you, you won't have that same angst probably. Yeah. The, the next one was ask for feedback on delivery. And I think this is like critically important. And we've talked about feedback before, but I am a big believer in providing feedback as close to the incident, whether it's positive feedback or not, because people are busy and they forget what they did. Yeah. They may have had a great feeling after doing something, but they may not remember exactly what they did. So being able to give them specific timely feedback so that you can say, here's what I loved about what you did. And this is what I observed going back to your issue about, you know, not saying you did, why did you do that? But say, you know, what I, what I recognized was this and to have the person go, oh, okay, so I know my boss likes that, or I know this person likes to see that. So if it's a good positive encounter, they're going to want to do that every time so yeah. that they make sure that they're pleasing the person that gave them the feedback. Yeah. Um, if it's, if it's constructive feedback, I don't believe in negative criticism. I don't think that that has any place in, in work, but, um, constructive feedback. Yes. When yeah. you see something that as a leader that you don't particularly care for in a person's behaviors or actions to, as soon as it's happened, not not in the moment while you're in the middle of a meeting, but after the meeting, pull them aside, not in front of anybody else, and just say, here's what I recognized during this part of the meeting when we were doing this. I have a hard time. It didn't quite land well for me, and here's why. And what I would have really rather have seen where I think you could have been even more effective is if you had done this. Yeah. And to get that information from somebody who's giving you specific information. And in here they did say uh, what worked and what didn't work in my delivery, asking that question, yeah. right? How did it feel to hear this message? How did it feel to hear the message that you did or you did not hit the mark? Yeah. And then how could I have presented it more effectively? I am a big believer in instead of telling people what you don't like and what you want to see, 
to instead say what, how it landed for you and what could have been more effective in your eyes, because everybody's in some way effective. There were probably people in a room that this person's getting the feedback on who loved what the person did, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't land well with the boss. So Yeah, speaking from your own experience. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so measure number six is measure psychological safety. Oh, measure yeah. it. So that's so important to actually check back and see how is our team doing regarding psychological safety? Yeah. Do you feel safe? Do you feel yeah. like you can say whatever you need to say and not and not have it come back to bite, right? Yep. And and that goes right back to what we've been talking about, the foundation of trust, which is if you don't have it, people are going to be a little less likely to be honest about it. They'll say, oh, yeah, we're, we feel great. Yes. <laughs> Thank right. you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, the, and the specific question they, they were talking about asking is, how confident are you that you won't receive retaliation mm-hmm. or criticism if you admit an error or make a mistake? Yes. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could say... A high yes on that one. So essentially, if if we've created these psychologically safe environments for our team, we can expect to see higher levels of engagement, yes, increased motivation to tackle difficult problems, more learning and development opportunities, and better performance. I mean, it's it's essential, right? It's just foundational for us to be able to do a better job with creating psychologically safe spaces for our employees. I try to always remember that we are adults. We all choose to come to our jobs. And we don't choose to come to our jobs because we want to be a pain in the neck, right? We choose to come to our jobs so we can do what we love doing or we can do something that makes us feel valuable. And so feeling psychologically safe just enables me to do my best work. You know, it frees up the space so I don't have to worry about stuff. I don't have to be looking over my shoulder. I can just perform the way yeah. I want to because that's why I came here, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's a, a, for me, that's a big thing to keep focusing on. I have a huge passion around adults choosing to come to their jobs and the job may need those skills the job may need those responsibilities to be done so that we can get our bottom line results that we're looking for that's great but it's the people who made that choice and they bring their best work so let's give them every opportunity to do that right yeah yeah that's why we hired him right that's right (laughs) that's why we hired him yes so Let's keep that conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have so many exceptional podcast episodes coming up with more fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please take 30 seconds and follow us. It helps you because you never miss an episode. It helps us because you never miss an episode. 
To follow us, go to the Lifting Leaders Podcast Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you're willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful. Thank you, Trisha, for another fun episode. It was fun. A Coach's Corner. Another Coach's Corner in the box. Yes. (laughs) Many thanks to you, our listeners. We appreciate you so much. We track every week how many people are listening, and we love to see those numbers. Thanks for, for being loyal listeners. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fabulous week. Take good care. I say nothing you were doing fine and then all of a sudden I just (laughs) I looked at your mouth and I went (laughs) I'm sorry my mouth okay yes no you because you look like you were just about to laugh yourself like that oh no we're gonna do it okay sorry I know I was feeling the same way actually okay but where did we where did I leave off lifting underscore leaders okay